could it be that the Lord has disturbed everything about us in the last couple of years uh, because we would not let him disturb the one thing that he wanted, which was our heart? You know, how often do we keep our heart off limits to God? We don't want God to disturb our heart. Don't disturb my life. Don't disturb my plans. Don't disturb my ambitions. And so God has to go and disturb everything else as our whole world seems to be disturbed right now to try to get the attention that he desires to disturb our heart and to change our heart. And I promise you, when he asks us for our heart, he says, my son, give me thine heart, I'll promise you that he'll take a lot better care of it than we will. And he'll do a lot more with it than we could if we'll just let him have it. Whatever God wants, we just let him have it. And I was so thankful after the service this morning as we were uh, getting ready to go home, I told my wife, I said, just a good spirit today. I feel like our church is on the brink of revival. You feel like our church is on the, uh, the doorstep of something good when God uh, begins to work in the hearts of his people, but we've got to make sure we continue to let him do that, and I pray you'll let him do that again tonight. Uh, the order of the service obviously is a little bit different, and uh, we're going to close the servant different tonight. Uh, so before we do, go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 19, and while you're turning there, I want to give you a few reminders because I'm not going to take time at the end of the service to do that uh, tonight. I think um, a lot of folks, uh, I, I'm thankful a lot of you have checked in on Miss Nettie, uh, spoken with her, spent some time with her, and a lot of you have, uh, have been uh, visiting with her today, conversations with her, and um, you know, there's been some speculation about exactly what's going on, but right now it does appear that uh, we're looking at, at some type of a cancer, and we want to continue to remember Miss Nettie tonight, faithful servant of our church, of the Lord more importantly, for many, many years, and we pray that the Lord would bless her with healing. And so I'm asking you tonight, pray for Miss Nettie. Uh, she is still her fiery self. If you know her, uh, she is a spitfire in personality. I walked in the hospital, uh, I guess it was Friday night, as they just admitted her. And Leslie and I walked in the room, and I knocked the phone off of the uh, bedside table. You know, the phone that's connected to the cord over to your bed. And it hit the floor, and she goes, there you go again, tearing up stuff like you always do, just like a man. And so she's in her good spirits, but obviously facing some uh, difficult news right now. We want to pray for Miss Nettie, and we're going to pray for healing. Aren't you thankful God can heal? And we're going to pray that God would do that, and you lift her up in prayer, and you continue to uh, check in on her, visit with her. She's up there in Forest General and love a visit. Uh, obviously, uh, family far away uh, right now, so you pray for her. Also, I mentioned to you this morning, there'll be a special cottage prayer meeting for the Rogers, and uh, we took the time, asked Miss Leslie to do this for us, and I appreciate her doing that. Uh, as you walk out the door tonight, we have a special handout we're going to give to all of you. It's an invitation to the cottage prayer meeting on November the 19th. I want to encourage you to be there for that. I appreciate the Rogers and their ministry uh, reaching a very tough, tough demographic around the world, and we want to pray for them as they go. So November the 19th, you'll get a, a flyer on that on the way out your door tonight, uh, be sure you let them know so they'll know how many T-bones to buy, okay? No, I'm joking. We're not having T-bones. having potted meat, but we're going to enjoy it all the same. I'm kidding. not going to have potted meat, but you're going to have a good time. I encourage you to be there as we pray for them and get ready to send them back off to the mission field and pray God's blessings uh, on them. Exodus chapter number 19, if you would. Uh, I want to remain seated if you don't mind tonight. I want you to focus in, uh, if we could, 
uh, on what's being said in Exodus 19. I'm going to preach brief tonight. I'm really not even going to preach at you. Uh, I just want to share something with you. Uh, tomorrow we begin our week of renewal, our week of revival uh, in earnest. Tomorrow, uh, Lord willing, our speaker will be here, be flying in tomorrow afternoon. And our services will begin in earnest. And I'm looking forward to what God wants to do in the last few Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. We've been praying that God would prepare our hearts for revival. And uh, this is our last shot at that as we make some final preparations. And I pray you've been doing uh, just that. And tonight I believe there's something in Exodus 19 that will help us kind of get over the hump a little bit to be ready for tomorrow night and the rest of the week. And I do want to encourage you, plan on being here. Plan on being here. Be here uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for the whole church. Tuesday and Wednesday, Soul Winning Clinic from 5.30 to 7. Thursday for our teenagers. Uh, Friday for our couples. And look, this is Brother, uh, Brother Nate mentioned. Uh, we're going to have a lot of food. Uh, I want all of our couples to come. I mean, uh, from the youngest to the oldest. Try to be here if you can. Uh, try to st strengthen our homes and our families. That is the backbone of our church. And so I want to encourage you to make plans to be here. Uh, unless you have something you absolutely have to do and Will of Fortune is not one of them, I want to encourage you to be here. Okay, and so looking forward to a great week, and I hope that you'll allow the Lord to finish those preparations for renewal as we read here in Exodus 19. Verse number one, the Bible says, In the third month when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness, and their Israel camped before the mount. Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will keep my voice uh, indeed, and obey, uh, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine." And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Boy, that should be our prayer tonight. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. Now watch verse 10. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. And be ready against the third day, for the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. Skip down to verse 16. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Now verse 17 will be our key text tonight. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the nether part of the mount. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for the truth in it. Lord, I pray we'd receive it as just that, as truth. Father, as you spoke to your people then, I believe you want to speak to your people now. And I pray that, Father, we'd open our hearts. Lord, I pray we would allow you to disturb us, as was sung a moment ago. And Lord, I pray we would open up our heart wide to receive the message and then allow you to go inside. And Lord, show us what things, Lord, are pleasing and displeasing to you that we might be, you'd have us to be. Bless this week coming up. Help us all make plans not to just be here, but to do your will, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. 
This week, in uh, preparation for the week of renewal, I looked over something that I've had uh, many years, uh, and it's a, a quote. I think I've quoted part of it for you before by R.A. Torrey. Matter of fact, I'll show you a slide of it here in just a moment. R.A. Torrey, a great man of God that was used mightily of God uh, to help bring about revival, both individually and then uh, to regions of our country, uh, said this one time, and I think we'll put this up here on the screen for you. He says, I have a theory that there is not a church, chapel, or mission on earth where you cannot have revival, provided there is a little nucleus of faithful people who will hold on to God until he comes down. Uh, now, this is not being said by some philosopher or some televangelist. This is being spoken by someone who knew what it was like to actually get in touch with God and to wait until uh, God met with his people as Moses here is preparing his people to meet with God. And the first time I ever heard reference to that quote, I'll be honest with you, I went to scrapping trying to figure out, all right, well, what is the secret? You know, he says, I have a theory. I wanted to know what the theory was. And it's simply this. He says, first... Let a few Christians, there need not be many, get thoroughly right with God themselves. This is the prime essential. If this is not done, the rest, I'm going to say, will come to nothing. Second, let them bind themselves together in prayer, prayer groups, to pray for revival until God opens the heavens and comes down. Third, let them put themselves at the disposal of God for him to use them as he sees fit in the winning of others to Christ. And he concluded by saying, that is all. This is sure to bring revival to any church or community. I've given this prescription around the world. It has been taken by many churches and many communities, and in no instance has it ever failed, and it cannot fail. Simply put, God's people get thoroughly right with him. They covenant together with prayer, waiting to meet with God. And thirdly, that they put themselves at the disposal of God for them to be used of God uh, in the reaching of souls to Christ. When I read that again this week, I couldn't help but think about the account in Exodus chapter 19. Well, you'll see the synopsis, if you will, in verse 17 of what's about to take place. Moses is there at Mount Sinai. They're not long been uh, delivered from Egypt. And they come to the foot of Mount Sinai. And uh, God and Moses have a back and forth conversation. But notice what they're preparing for in verse 17. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. To meet with God. Now, that's the message simply put tonight before we have our invitation time. This thought of meeting with God. Now, I hope that is your prayer for this meeting coming up starting tomorrow night and going throughout the rest of this week and then every day of your life that you would look forward to just meeting with God. Aren't you glad, first of all, tonight that we as the people of God have the privilege to meet with him? That God is not a statue that cannot hear us, uh, that God is not some idol that we bow before, that, uh, that we cannot reach him with our infirmities and with the necessities of our heart, the necessities of our home, that we serve a living Savior. Aren't you glad? We can sing that not just on Easter. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living. Whatever men may say, he lives where? Within my heart. And I know he's there and he wants to meet with us throughout this week as he wanted to meet with his people in Exodus 19. But there were some things that needed to take place 
Now, we've been preaching on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights about some things we can do to prepare to meet with God. And I honestly, hopefully uh, pray that tonight that you genuinely believe that we will have the opportunity to meet with God and for him to work in our hearts throughout these services. But there's a few things we need to know before we have our invitation tonight. And, And Moses really begins to outline them to his people directly what he got from God. Now, look at verse 10. Notice the first thing the Bible says. And the Lord said unto Moses... Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. The first thing I want you to notice tonight is the sanctification of the people. The sanctification of the people. Now, that's a big word I don't think we often use in our own personal vernacular here in South Mississippi, but it means just as much to God today as it did when he put it in Exodus chapter number 19. When you look at this thought of sanctification, simply means that I want you to come clean and I want you to be clean before you come and meet with me. Now, this is both literal and it's also uh, an analogy, if you will. When you look at verse 10, he says, I want you to go and I want you to tell them to sanctify themselves, even wash their clothes. This was both literal and symbolic. Now, what is God saying here? God says, I want to meet with you. And I want you to come into my presence. But God has requirements for us coming to his presence. And God says, I want my people to be sanctified. Now, understand this tonight. It's futile to seek God's presence when we neglect our purity. It's futile for us to seek to be in God's presence when we neglect our own purity. Now, God wants to meet with us. But God says, I want you to be sanctified. I want you to be clean. Now, I understand that sanctification as a whole is largely forgotten in most mainline denominations today. Why? Well, sanctification demands change. Most religion today, we don't want to change. All right? We don't want to be disturbed, as Brother Heath saying. We want to come to church. We want to hear some good music that stirs us. We want to fellowship with our friends. We want to have our our own little cliques, even with inside churches at times. But we want to leave the same way we came. And God says, in order to come into my presence, verse 17, if you want to meet with me, I want you to be sanctified. I I want you to be clean. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Bible says in verse 3, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. Now, what does that mean? It means it's still the will of God that we be sanctified. It's still the will of God that we separate from things that keep us from coming into the presence of God. Now, here's the problem. Oftentimes, we only understand half of sanctification. We start thinking about sanctification. We think about what we've got to separate from, right? We don't like hearing about separation. We don't like hearing about sanctification, even though it's both an Old and New Testament principle before God. God hasn't changed his mind. When he preached on Old Testament sanctification in the Old Testament, he meant it. When he gave it in the New Testament, he meant it. And he still wants to meet with us, but we've got to come clean and separate us from what separates us from him. Now, that's, that's the tough part. We don't want to hear about sanctification separating from something, but that's only half of it. 2 Timothy chapter 2, we know these verses very well. The Bible says, a man therefore purge himself from these. There's the from. Man, we we think about meeting with God and we start weighing it out. Is meeting with God worth what I'm going to have to separate from? I'm going to have to give up some things. I'm going to have to separate from some things. And we're thinking, man, I don't know if that's worth it. If you're debating that tonight, then I don't know that you truly understand what it means to meet with God and to be in the presence with God. Because I'll tell you, there's nothing like it in the world when you and him walk in sweet communion. But why don't we do that? 
because we have to separate from something. But read the other part of 2 Timothy chapter 2. The Bible says, he shall separate, uh, uh, purge himself from these. He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet, what's the next word? For. For. You're separated from something, and you're separated for something. Now, God says, look, I know you're going to have to separate. He said, even in verse number 10, I want you to go home and wash your clothes. Wash your clothes. Now, folks, some of us will draw the line right there. I'm not doing another load of laundry in order to meet with God. But we're that way spiritually. We don't want to come clean. We don't want to be clean. Listen, yes, this was literal, but it was also symbolic. God says, I want you to understand. I want to meet with you. I want to come down in your presence. Look, they couldn't go up to him, but he was coming down to them. Do you know what I pray for this week in our week of renewal? I'm praying God comes down and meets with us. God help us that our kids would understand what it means to be in a church service where the Spirit of God begins to stir the hearts of their people where they're not waiting for the third verse of the invitation to be over where they can go home. Well, they just want to sit still for a while. Well, they want to go home and get on the phone and call that coworker that they were a bad witness to and apologize for not being the Christian they should be. Well, they want to walk across the church building and talk to someone where things were not right, as we talked about this morning, and repair relationships. Oh, that our children could see that, that we get an opportunity to meet with God, but the price that we have to pay is sanctification. But watch this. Don't focus on what you're separating from. Why? Because that is nothing compared to what you're separating for. You're getting to meet with God. The Bible says we purge ourselves of these, will be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use. Put it in our local vernacular. It's something like this. You've got to be sanitized to be utilized. Okay? We know what hand sanitizer is, don't we? Lord, help us if that stuff causes cancer because we're all going to die. We've been using that stuff. I mean, uh, I like the stuff that, that smells more fruity. There's some stinky hand sanitizer out there. I hate that stuff. I like the stuff that smells like alcohol. Boy, I'll just slather it on real good, get it under my fingernail. What are we doing? We're sanitizing. You don't want to eat with dirty hands, do you? Right? I appreciate you if you sanitize before you shake my hands. I mean, who knows where those hands have been? I hope you'll sanitize them first. And God says, I want you to sanitize before I can utilize you. Folks, God wants to use this. God wants to meet with us. But we've got to be willing to be sanctified. In verse number 10, we see the sanctification of other people. Now, how does that happen? How do we get sanctified? I'm glad you asked. John 17, 17. The Bible says, sanctify them through thy truth. He said, well, what is truth? Well, I'm glad you asked that one too. He says, thy word is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You see, that's why it's important. We hear the word of God. That's why we got to have preaching. All right? That's why you need to read your Bible. Why? It's truth. It's truth. Listen, there's some TV preachers out there, and yes, they can make you feel good, but half of what they're saying is not truth. You say, how do you know? Because it's not changing the people that are hearing it. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We come this week, and we hear the word of God preached. It's truth. You know what it's going to do? It's going to sanctify us. How sad would it be for us to leave here the week of renewal and be exactly the way we were when we walked in on Monday night. What happens? We refuse to be sanctified. Now, here's something I want to throw in before I give you the second one. Oftentimes, we think about that we're being sanctified from what is right and what is wrong. And that's a misnomer, to be honest with you. 
It's not just, let me ask you a question. When, when Moses came before that burning bush to speak with the Lord and God told him, I want you to put off your shoes, what was wrong with his shoes? Were his shoes evil? And what kind of evil shoes was he wearing? He was wearing some of them satanic shoes. No, there's nothing wrong with his shoes. See, sanctification is not always about, you know what, I'm just taking out all the bad out of my life. No, that's not it. You know, the Bible says in, uh, in Romans that we're to prove that which is good. I'm not here. You know, folks, all the time, we're getting spats about different things, probably too much. I said, well, you can't show me where that's wrong. I'm not here to prove what's wrong. I'm here to prove what's good. That's what the Bible says. I'm not here just to show you what's wrong. Listen, as a Christian, what a horrible standard it would be in reflection upon our God if our standard was not wrong. How sad is that? How low is that? That's just a basic moral human standard. Look, we serve the very God of heaven. He says, I want you to be sanctified. Oftentimes, God requires things of us that you can't find chapter and verse where it says they're wrong, but you ought to give it up simply because God wants it. God wants your shoes. Give him your shoes. Nothing wrong with it. You see, it's all about surrender. It's all about surrender. If God says that, uh, that he wants the rest of my hair, as hard as it is to part with it, I ought to be willing to let it go, shouldn't I? Simply because God wants it. You see, it has nothing to do with, oh, I got to get all the wrong out of my life. No, you got to give God just everything that he wants. That's what sanctification is all about. One of my mentors told me years ago, we're talking about sanctification, and I didn't exactly know what it meant, but I was pretending like I did. He said, sanctification is where you draw a circle on the concrete. You hop in that circle, and you tell God everything in the circle belongs to you. That's what sanctification is. God, I'm giving you everything, whatever you want, you get it. It doesn't have to be something. God, you prove to me where it's wrong and I give it to you. That's not sanctification. Sanctification is all about surrender. God, I'm going to get rid of anything that separates me and meeting with you. So number one, meeting with God involves the sanctification of the people. The second thing, if you would, look down at verse 17. The Bible says Moses brought forth the people out of the camp. That word people, it's a plural word. It means the entire group or the entire congregation. That's the second thing about meeting with God. I want you to see the congregation of the people. The congregation of the people. You see, the people had a unified desire to meet with God. They're all getting cleaned up. They're all getting sanctified. And they're all moving together to where God told them to get. Why? Because they want to meet with God. Now, folks, I don't know if you understand this, but we are a church We are a called out assembly. We're a body. We are a congregation. I believe, look, you can have personal revival, but we're praying for revival for this church. And so we've got to be willing tonight to congregate in a unified heart, in a unified mind, in order that we could meet with Christ. Acts chapter number two, I talk talk about it a lot, but it's the blueprint for the church. Verse 41, the Bible says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they, now watch this word, they, it's plural, it means the group. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, that means a group, and in breaking of bread and in prayers, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all, there's that group again, 
that believe were together, it's a group again, had all things common and sold their, that's plural, possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Do you see that togetherness? They were congregated. They were a congregation moving together toward that singular goal. And that singular goal was to honor and glorify God as a body. Now, folks, this week we're going to have the opportunity to congregate or to gather together. But understand this. It's got to be that collective vision of our church, not just one or two. When we show up here tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, we should all show up here with one heart, one mind, singleness of heart, looking forward to the revival that God wants to send to us. Look, do you know you can quench the Spirit of God in this place tomorrow? There's a reason the Bible says quench not the Spirit. God's not going to tell you to do something that can't happen. All right? He's saying quench not the Spirit. We can quench it if we don't come together as one heart and one mind. Today we had lunch with uh, Brother A.J., and, uh, and his family enjoyed that, but I was a little late getting there, so he went on ahead and got a seat for us. I love it when people do that. You know, just go on ahead, get a seat, and they hold your spot for you. Do you know, I can't hold revival for you. I can't come for, for you tomorrow night and, and get your revival for you. We're going to have to gather together as one group, as one body, seeking that opportunity and privilege to meet with God. I gave this verse to the staff uh, Friday, Philippians chapter 2. The Bible says, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. That ye be like-minded. What does that mean? It means our congregation is going to reflect our collective desire. I would pray, you know the old slogan, the old phrase, we're only as strong as our weakest link? I pray tomorrow night, God, help me not to be the weakest link. Help me not to doubt. I'm coming looking forward to gathering together as they did in verse 17. Why? Because I simply want to meet with God. Several years ago, I was preaching revival in a very rural, rural church. And um, one of the men got up to pray. When he prayed, he said something I haven't heard in a long time. He says, he says God, we're asking you to bless our revival effort. I said, boy, it's been a while since I have heard those term, that term, revival effort. But how true it is, revival's an effort. You're going to have to make the effort to gather together as that congregation to see the will of God done. You've got to make the effort. Whatever it is that God wants, we've got to be willing to make it. Why? Because we want to meet with God. Now, the last thing I'm going to give you before the invitation, look back to verse 17. I'm sorry, look back at verse 10, and then we'll go back to 17. And the Lord said unto Moses, go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. Now watch this next, next line, verse 11. And be ready. And be ready. He repeats it again, verse number 15, to be ready. Now, what are they being ready for? Well, they're anticipating the opportunity to meet with God. That's the third thing. He says, I want you to be ready. I want you to look forward to the opportunity. I want you to prepare for the opportunity to meet with me. That's the third thing we need tonight before we close is the anticipation of the people. I pray tomorrow night when you come to the house of God, you come with an anticipation of looking forward to meeting with God. I hope, listen, you're not thinking, well, I hope that guy can preach because I really hate giving up my sitcom hour on Monday night to come and be here. You're going to ruin it. You're going to ruin it. 
You ought to come, listen, not looking forward in anticipation to what the preacher's going to do for you. You ought to come tomorrow night looking forward in anticipation to meeting with God. Why? I think there's probably at least going to be at least two or three of us gathered together in his name tomorrow night. And he says where those are gathered together, he's going to meet with us in the midst. So we ought to come with an anticipation of meeting up with God tomorrow and hearing from God and letting God work in our hearts and our lives. Do you know when you get ready for something, it shows that you believe it's going to happen? Is that true? You get ready for something. The other day I told my wife, I said, look, I'm going to come by and pick you up. We're going to take you for lunch. She was shocked. Take her out on a date. No, I try to take her on dates all the time. I got to the house. She's standing in the kitchen. She's got her purse on her shoulder. Man, she's as beautiful as always. She's got the keys in her hand. She was ready. You know what? She believed that I was coming because I never stand her up. I'm going to always show up and be there. You see, her being ready showed me that she believed that I was coming. Now, he tells them here in verse number, uh, verse number 11, and be ready. I want you to anticipate meeting with God. Now, folks, that's where the faith factor comes in. What is faith? Hebrews 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, folks, you're going to have to have faith that we're going to have the privilege of meeting with God and hearing from God in these services, and that's what makes you ready. You see, if you really believe we're going to meet with God, you know what you're going to do? You're going to get ready. How do you get ready? You're going to be sanctified. If you really believe you have the opportunity to meet with God, to hear from God, to commune with God, that God would work in your heart, in your life, in your family, look, we're going to go home tonight and we're going to make sure we're sanctified. We're going to wash our clothes, okay, figuratively. Don't you go home tonight and post on Facebook. I'm not sure exactly why, but the preacher said, before revival, we all have to wash our clothes. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we're going to go home and make sure, look, make sure you and your spouse are right tonight. Make sure you and your kids are right tonight. Make sure anything that would come between you and God, that it's cleaned up, it's under the blood, it's washed out of the way. Why? Because you believe and you want to get ready to meet with God. The sad thing is we get ready for work. We get ready for retirement. We get ready for everything. Why? Because we believe, some of us get ready for Social Security. We believe in that more than we do than get ready to meet with God. Or else we would be sanctified. And then we would be that congregation of the people gathered together. When I was five or six years old, my mom and dad relayed the story to me because I was too young and ignorant to remember, but I was five or six years old. We lived in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. I think I've told you this before. In Ponte Vedra Beach, uh, it's a beautiful, right on the, uh, the Atlantic Ocean, uh, they would have our church, Neptune Beach Baptist, I think was the name of the church we went to, um, would have a sunrise service on the beach. And what a beautiful opportunity during Easter to go out there and have a sunrise service and you watch the sunrise uh, over, over the ocean. Uh, I thought it was S-O-N rise, not S-U-N rise, okay? I honestly thought as a five-year-old kid, we're having sunrise services Easter. So somewhere we're going to be watching over the ocean. When, when that sun pops up, Jesus is going to be there with the sun. And so I'm, look, I'm like, I will get up at 5 a.m. for that. First time after we got married, we had a sunrise service at our church. My wife said, say what? So you never had a sunrise service? She goes, uh-uh, whose idea was that? I don't know. We always did it here in the South, so we're going to have one. That was the last one we ever had. People just don't come to church in a good spirit at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m., where it was. I remember my mom relaying it to me. I was standing there on the beach waiting for it to happen. Everybody got ready to go home. Where's everybody going? We're waiting. You know, this, you know it hadn't happened yet. What hadn't happened yet? Well, the sun hasn't risen. Yes, it has, you dummy. It's right there. You see it? That big orange glowing ball in the sky. That's right. Oh, my bad. It's S-U-N, not S-O-N. And I was thinking about this in the office this afternoon. 
man, to have that childlike faith again. To really just believe what God said. Now, God didn't say he was going to rise out there on Easter. But that kind of faith to believe, you know what? I can't wait to see it. I believe it was going to happen. But we get old. We get cynical. We get intellectual. And faith begins to go out the window. And therein is why we need revival tonight. Because we don't know what it's like to meet with God. And I'm not sure that we believe enough to be ready to meet with God. Now here is Moses. Moses goes up to God and says, okay, I got the people here. And God says, tell them I want to meet with them. But they need to be sanctified. They need to gather together. When they gather together, I want them to be ready in anticipation to what I want to do. Now, folks, I'm closing with this. I believe with all of my heart that regardless of what's going on outside of these four walls, Central Baptist Church can meet with God this week. You can meet with God this week. We can draw closer to his presence. We can allow him to work in our hearts and our lives to change us. But before that, we've got to make sure we're ready. God says, okay, I want you to separate, sanctify from some things for some things. And then you gather together and be ready with anticipation for what I want to do. And let's see what God wants to do. So here's what we're going to do tonight in closing. When I read that from Tori, I thought to myself, what a great way to close out our final service before we begin revival. He said, let a few Christians, there do not be many, get thoroughly right with God. Second, let them bind themselves together in prayer. And third, let them put themselves at the disposal of God. We're going to have an invitation tonight, and what we're going to do is something we've done a couple of times since I've been here. We're simply going to have an open invitation where the altar is going to be open as long as you want it to be. Our pianist is going to go ahead and come down tonight, and we're going to have a time of invitation. Our heads will be bowed. Our eyes are going to be closed. And I want you to come down and make sure you're thoroughly right with God. Why don't you bring your family down? Let's pray together. And then, hey, let's bind ourselves together in prayer, praying that God's going to move this week. And then let's put ourselves at God's disposal to be used of him to reach others. Now, you come down tonight. You don't have to come down. You can pray in your seat. But tonight, when you finish praying, you're welcome to get up, and you can head on out. We're not going to dismiss the service. I don't want you to feel like that you have to hurry because the piano is playing. I want you to have all the time in the world you want to pray to meet with God, to meet with your family in preparation for revival. So tonight, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask my family to come down. We're going to pray together. Our pianist